Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to SACPA. Special session on saving the grizzly bear from extinction. My name is uh, Knut Peterson, and I'd like to remind everybody that SACPA is a volunteer organization who operates strictly on money that we hopefully can collect along the way. Our regular sessions at, uh, at the Country Kitchen Catering, we, we uh, serve lunch. We don't serve lunch here. So at the end of the presentation, we'll be passing the pail to see if we can generate just a slight amount of money so we can keep operating. I'd like to also remind everybody that the University of Lafayette is uh, part of uh, the sponsoring SACPA in uh, the fact that they distribute our notices and also uh, keep us going at the campus. We have some sessions at the campus at the University of Lafayette as well. This presentation will go for about 45 to 50 minutes, and we'll have a coffee break, uh, and then there will be questions and answer period and a discussion afterwards. So we should wind up by about uh, before 9. I'd like to introduce the uh, speaker of today's or tonight's session. His name is Carl Morrison. He's with the Sierra Club of Canada. He serves uh, as the Action Grizzly Bear Campaign Coordinator for the Sierra Club. He's, uh, he's got a Bachelor of Commerce from the University of Alberta and has several years of field experience on various wildlife research studies in Alberta, including two seasons working on the Trans-Canada Highway Bear DNA Project in Banff National Park. He spent a lot of time working and playing with the grizzly bears. No, in grizzly bear country, I should say. And cautions Alberta that it is at risk of losing far more than just a species. He's now putting his marketing skills to work, advocating the recovery of Alberta's most iconic species. Carl believes that the recovery of the grizzly bear can only be achieved by the public demanding from the government to take more care in preserving them. I'd like you to welcome Carl Morrison. Hi, uh, thanks for the introduction, and uh, thanks for SACPAW uh, to invite me here tonight so I can talk to you guys. And thanks for all of you for showing up. It's nice to have a captive audience, and you guys have to listen to what I have to say. So um, I, I noticed before we get going that lots of you picked up a brochure and uh, some of the paperwork that was on that table over there. I'll just, I'll just go through what that is exactly uh, before I get going. The brochure is pretty self-explanatory, and it just reiterates a lot of what I'm going to say tonight. Um, that paperwork, one is a response letter that we got from the minister, uh, Ted Morton, 
in, in, in response to some letters other Action Grizzly Bear members had written him. Um, and it triggered some comments and questions that I've written into the letter in italics there. Uh, it's a good read. I see the last one just left. I only brought a few, but you can also get it off the website, which is www.actiongrizzlybear.ca. And it's worth a read. It, it kind of gives you the government's position and, and our rebuttal. Uh, and then the second would be um, a sample letter and some instructions on how to write a letter. And that's why we're here tonight is hopefully I can encourage some of you guys to take action on this cause because uh, uh, this is a public mobilization campaign. So with that said, I guess, am I talking too loud? It sounds really loud from up here. Okay, if I'm too quiet or too loud, just let me know. Um, and so I guess we can get into it. Uh, just out of curiosity, with a quick show of hands, prior to this presentation, has anyone here heard of Action Grizzly Bear? That's pretty good. Um, Action Grizzly Bear, about a couple of years ago, a lot of conservation organizations got together and they were, they were talking and discussing grizzly bear recovery in the province. And, and one thing that came up was, well, why isn't it moving forward at a quicker rate? Uh, why, is, why are we seeing all this um, well, government foot dragging for what it's worth? And it, it was decided that this province is lacking the political will to take action on grizzly bear recovery. Uh, and so in order to help foster that political will, it was, it was decided that we need to start running a public mobilization campaign, hence the birth of Action Grizzly Bear. Officially, it was launched late last November, um, so it's been up and running for a couple months now. And so far, it's had really good, re a really good public response, and I hope to keep um, fostering that public response and, and moving forward with this. So hopefully by the end of the night, uh, we'll have a few more supporters here and, and more Albertans speaking up for BEARS. Uh, and you can see BEARS is an acronym, and we'll get into that later on about what that exactly means. I just wanted to throw that. You'll hear that sentence a couple more times before I explain it. I just want it to be kind of driven into your minds because that's, that's where we're going with this. So I guess before we can figure out what we need to see, we should know where we were. Um, when I was a kid growing up, I always thought grizzly bears were creatures of the mountains, and fair enough, I think, because that was the only place I ever saw them. But in, in reality, grizzly bears are at home on the prairies, and uh, about 200 years ago, they, they ranged as far east as Manitoba and as far south as Mexico. And it was around that time, it was estimated there were about 6,000 grizzly bears in Alberta, or what's now recognized as Alberta. Uh, with the advancement of settlers and, and the fur trade, over the last few hundred years, um, for what it's worth, we've, we've decimated the grizzly bear population. Uh, in the 1900s, there were grizzly bears, well, they say the, the prairie population of grizzly bears went extinct. Um, but the last individuals disappearing from Alberta's Cypress Hills, which isn't too far from here. And so I guess it was around 2002 um, when the population estimate had dwindled down to roughly 700 to 1,000 bears remaining in the province. And it was at this point that the Endangered Species Conservation Committee recommended listing the grizzly bear as a threatened species. Uh, unfortunately, that's a recommendation that the government still hasn't acted on, and um, you can see on this on this graphic here, historic versus current. Uh, I mean, it paints a pretty good picture of what we had and where we're at. And, and unfortunately, I'd say the present day picture is a little bit more grim than what you see on this. Uh, 
Following that 2002 recommendation, um, the government started a pretty state-of-the-art DNA-based census to get a good estimate of grizzly bears in the province. It's been going on for about four year, five years now, sorry. Uh, the latest results from last summer should be in, in April. Um, but the results that they have in uh, include from Highway 16, which would be that Jasper-Edmonton Highway, south to the U.S. border, and they've only counted 230 grizzly bears. So that's far fewer than anyone had expected. Um, taking into account national parks and, and parts of the province that have yet to be counted, experts predict that there are fewer than 500 bears remaining in the province. And, and that's, I mean, that's significant. Uh, also to be noted there that that, that prediction is all inclusive. It includes cubs, uh, sub-adults, and mature breeding individuals. And I'll point out the importance of that in a second here. Uh, in the states, on the other hand, the population has been almost completely wiped out with grizzly bears only still surviving in 1% in of their historic range. And that you saw that on that previous graphic. One thing I wanted to point out here, um, the government's going to say that these, these population estimates are a baseline figure. And to some extent, that's true. Uh, the population estimates we had previous, although they were official estimates, um, the methodology, I suppose, could, could be questioned. What we're getting now is, is the standard in grizzly bear research, and, and it's considered fairly accurate. But I, I do think we see a trend here. Um, I mean, 200 years ago, we had them in Manitoba. 100 years ago, we had them in Cypress Hills. The yellow line on this map here, uh, I hope you guys can see that. Um, that's what's recognized as current grizzly bear range in the province. But this map is primary and secondary habitat that was released by the government last October. And that uh, the lighter yellow there represents secondary habitat, which is defined as reflecting the broader range of grizzly bears. So what happens with that white space that exists between the yellow and that yellow line coming down, which is designated as grizzly bear range? Uh, I think this starts to paint a pretty good picture that the, their range is contracted even more and more closely resembles what you see on the map here. Uh, furthermore, I was at a grizzly bear conference uh, late in January, um, and Dr. Gord Stenhouse and Dr. Mike Proctor, two leading grizzly bear biologists in North America, for what it's worth, uh, both presented, and they both took out huge chunks of grizzly bear range in the northern end of the province as well. Um, just super low grizzly bear densities and not good habitat. And uh, what we're faced with is, is, a, is a grizzly bear range um, far smaller than what is depicted on, on your typical map. So what does that mean for grizzly bears? Well, the fact of the matter is, uh, despite them not being listed yet, grizzly bears are a threatened species in Alberta. The Endangered Species Conservation Committee uses the same criteria set forth by the International Union of Conservation of Nature. And that states that with fewer than 1,000 mature adults, the species should be listed as threatened. Fewer than 250, it would be classified as endangered. Um, and again, these are mature adults, and, and so when I quoted that 500 figure, um, that's again all-inclusive, theoretically. Uh, but we're looking at, in Alberta here, they say the population uh, is about 70% mature individuals. So, you know, that works out to about 350 mature bears. Um, so clearly we're far below that criteria that would designate grizzlies as threatened and fast approaching what we would deem them as endangered. 
Unfortunately, as I mentioned, the government still hasn't acted on that uh, recommendation, which is close to seven years old now. And so the grizzly bear is not listed under the Alberta Wildlife Act. It's a similar situation at the federal level. Uh, Kosiwik is, is the federal equivalent of our Endangered Species Committee. They recommended, recommended that the grizzly bear be listed as special concern, and uh, that has yet to be taken into account as well. So I guess, you know, how did we get to where we're at? Um, the biggest threat would be us. There's no question. Um, with the increase of uh, the, the, with the economic growth in this in this province and, and our increasing demands on the land, uh, it's certainly taking its toll. And I think these figures here are a pretty good representation of that. Population has increased by a million in the last 25 years and is expected to get to five in the next 15. Oil and gas wells drilled annually have more than doubled. Forestry, the annual Timber harvest has increased dramatically from 6 million cubic meters to close to 27, or over 27. Uh, things like recreational activity, uh, registered ATVs in this province have gone from 19,000, close to 70,000 in a period of 11 years. And also, I mean, just, just registered motor vehicles is another indication, an increase of a million, uh, the infrastructure and, and the urban development that's associated with that takes its toll. So with two main threats, and, and, and you, you kind of have to look at the, accumul the cumulative effects of this development. Um, historically, it seems that the province is, has looked at development on a project-by-project project basis, and, and that just doesn't cut it anymore. The demands are too much, and we have to start looking at the, the, the net loss that, these, that, that this development's having on our landscape. Um, so this results in, in two main causes of, of uh, decline for grizzly bears in the province. The first being human-caused mortalities, and this is a biggie. Uh, humans are responsible for over 90% of known grizzly bear mortalities in the province. Um, and that's, that's dramatic, and it's a little discouraging, although it does speak volumes to our direct ability to limit our impact on bears. Something, and, and I'm not sure if you guys have watched the news lately, uh, early February, the government released last year's mortality figures. And it was, there were 19 known human-caused mortalities out of 20 known, known mortalities in the province. That, that alone um, is unsustainable. Something to keep in mind here, however, is that 30 to 50% of mortalities go unreported with these bears um, falling victim to the three S's, which is shoot, shovel, and shut up. So when you look at 19 bears and then you take into account that 30 to 50%, an additional 30 to 50% were probably killed, that number climbs pretty quickly. Uh, so roads, roads and other linear dis disturbances are, are kind of considered one of the main threats to grizzly bear persistence in Alberta um, for two reasons. The next slide will kind of highlight this a little bit more. But one is that it's, this, this increased uh, development fragments the habitat, degrades the habitat. Um, secondly, it also facilitates human access into prime grizzly bear habitat, which, which uh, is obviously a major cause of concern. 89% of mortalities occur within 500 meters of a road. So that's, that's pretty drastic. Um, and, and this is certainly something that needs to be looked at if we are going to recover grizzly bears in Alberta. Another, another, one, another major cause of human-caused mortality is improperly stored attractants. That, that old saying that a fed bear is a dead bear is tragically true. Uh, last year saw 15 bears relocated, six were killed, 
an additional six were killed uh, by wildlife management. Um, and, and I say 15 were relocated. Another thing to keep in mind there is that bears experienced a 30% increase in fatality following relocation. So if you take 15 grizzly bears relocated, 19 killed, tack on these percentages that are unknown or, or that die after, after relocation, uh, and Alberta could have lost upwards of 30 grizzly bears last year. This is more, assuming 500 bears in the province, this is more than 5% of, of our total population, and that's completely unsustainable. Um, the recovery plan says that, and I might get these figures wrong, but it's, I think it's 2 point, I'm going to say 2.2% um, bears can handle uh, human caused mortality of 2.2% in secondary habitat, and I believe it's 4.9% in primary habitat. Um, but I mean, we're at that, like we, we passed that threshold last year. And uh, I mean, that just, that can't be kept up. It's unsustainable. And if we're going to recover this species, uh, we have to take some action to make sure that that's not a repeat in 2009 and, and subsequent years. So then the other, the, the other threat is obviously habitat uh, degradation or alteration. Human infrastructure, um, urban development roads, I mentioned, obviously are, are a cause of concern because they directly remove grizzly bear habitat. Um, furthermore, they, they result to an increase in, in bear activity uh, out on the landscape. And um, again, when you have an increase with humans and bears using the same land, there's always a, there's always a chance of conflict. And unfortunately, in certain, in certain cases, the bear loses. And then we also deal with this loss of connectivity. Um, restriction between small subpopulations is being evidenced in this province. Our major east-west highways, they're, there's already, they're, they're showing signs of some genetic uh, divergence across these highways. So highways are certainly a barrier to movement. Um, the Trans-Canada is a perfect example. That's, that's a wall for animals. There's, there's the wildlife fencing that goes along the whole road. It's a, it's, I mean, it's a divided highway. There's the train tracks in that valley, there's the 1A, and then there's a natural barrier, which is the river. Um, they are putting in those mitigation measures, which are those wildlife crossing structures. And part of my work in Banff was looking at those crossing structures, and they certainly do have a positive effect on bear movement. Um, but it's, it's things like this that we need to see in other parts of the province, especially on these highways. So this, this is a map, this is a draft copy, but it'll be pretty much what the final version looks like put out by the Global Forest Watch Canada. And I just wanted to kind of highlight uh, what it shows here. The green is uh, primary habitat, the brown being secondary. It's the same map as that one I showed you previously. Um, in the upper square there, I hope you guys can see that okay. Uh, the, the yellow markings are uh, industrial cost changes from 1990 to 2000. And then the lower right, picture uh, is, is they've tacked on industrial cause changes from 2000 to 2006. And I mean, though, let's face it, that secondary habitat in, in particular is painted yellow. And, and this is some of the best remaining bear habitat we have in the province. And this is just a good indication of, of our impact that we have on the land. And, um, you know, we need to really start taking that into consideration. This is a more localized example, and some of you probably saw it when you came in here. Uh, this is a, an example of habitat fragmentation in the Swan Hills area. It uses an aerial time-lapse photo from 1949 to 1991. 
and that yellow dot indicates the same reference point between photos. But again, it, it, it's, a, it's another great example of um, our impact that we have and our ability to completely alter a landscape. So uh, what does this mean for grizzlies in Alberta? Well, I personally feel that we can look to the states for two possible outcomes, and one's on the map in front of us. Um, as I said, grizzly bear range in, in the U.S. has been annihilated to the point that grizzly bears only exist on 1% of their range. We're not immune to that, and, and if we keep up with this business-as-usual approach, I kind of fear that you know we're on track for something similar to what we see in the states. And uh, the, on the on the positive side, grizzly grizzly recovery in Alberta is certainly possible. And again, we can look to the states as a great example. Um, in the Greater Yellowstone ecosystem and the Northern Great Divide ecosystem, they're shown here in in relative size to uh, to scale to uh, the Alberta grizzly bear range. And it, and it gives you a sense of their size and how many bears their bear density compared to what we have in Alberta. Worth, worth noting here is that uh, the Yellowstone ecosystem, they figure there was fewer than 200 bears before they started managing for recovery. Uh, and the latest estimate is over 600. And the Northern Great Divide ecosystem, they recently just finished a DNA census, very similar to what we've done here in Alberta. And they've found two and a half times more grizzlies than they expected which is 760-ish. Um, but, you know, you look at the size of these two ecosystems compared to what we classify as grizzly bear range in Alberta, and both of them harbor more bears than we have in, in our entire province. So it is possible. We have the land. We have the ability to do it. Uh, but what will it take? It's going to take political will and public support, and this is kind of why I'm here today. Well, this is exactly why I'm here tonight. These, these two elements are absolutely critical for grizzly bear recovery in the province. At, this, at that same grizzly meeting I was at, uh, at the end of January, Dr. Chris Servine also presented, and he's been responsible for the grizzly recovery in the States for the last 28 years. Um, and he stood up and he reiterated over and over again the absolute importance of these two elements. Uh, recovery is not possible without it. Um, do we have the political will in Alberta? That's certainly questionable right now. I believe we have the political support, but it's it's too quiet. We need to get we need to get involved. We need to take action on this, and I'll get into that. And of course, that's why I'm here, hopefully, to encourage some of that. So just a little just a little bit on Alberta's grizzly bear management here. Um, if you're not familiar, wildlife management is the province's responsibility, and that falls to the Sustainable Resource Development and its respective minister, Ted Morton. Um, and if you, if you look through some, some government documents, it, it actually paints a pretty rosy picture, and you get the impression that you know, everything's going to be okay. Uh, the Fish and Wildlife Policy for Alberta states that their goal is to ensure wildlife populations are protected from severe decline and that viable populations are maintained. Alberta's strategy for management of species at risk, which was just released last month, um, states that Albertans want to know endangered species are being protected using our own laws and programs. And if you go onto the SRD's website and you go to the grizzly bear management page, the first, first sentence, and it's, it's a whole paragraph all to itself, 
says that the goal of the Alberta government is to ensure that grizzly bears survive and thrive on Alberta's landscape. Um, so, you know, you read that sort of stuff and you think, well, hey, that doesn't sound too bad. That sounds pretty good. Um, unfortunately, as I'll show you here, the recovery program in this, in this province has been delayed with, uh, with inexcusable delays and, and foot dragging, for lack of a better term. There, there have been some good things. Um, the hunting moratorium that was put in place in 2006 was a, definitely a positive move. We do have a recovery plan. The habitat, the, the habitat map that they put out is also, I mean, that's, a, that's certainly a valuable tool when it comes to evaluating um, access management and habitat protection. Uh, last fall, they did start a working group on access management, and of course, there's been these DNA censuses going on. This all sounds good, uh, but when you start to look at these um, from a grizzly bear's perspective and from a recovery perspective, a lot of these are lacking in, in certain elements. The hunting moratorium, for starters, is, is only temporary. It was a three-year moratorium um, that's been extended through this hunting season through spring 2009, and it'll be up for review again next year, uh, and already certain hunting groups are lobbying to reinstate the hunt. Now, there's nothing, I have nothing against grizzly bear hunting when we have a population that can sustain it. And at 500, we certainly don't. And so that's, that's kind of an indication where these year-to-year -year hunting moratoriums don't offer any sort of significant security for bears. If the bear were listed, um, hunting would be banned permanently until the bear had recovered. The recovery plan is another good example. It took over three years from the time that the initial draft was submitted to the government until the final draft was released to the public. If, if, uh, if we're going to get serious about this, things have to start moving a little quicker than that. The habitat map we've talked about, my concern with that is that it seems to not address the, that white space between secondary habitat and what would be that boundary delineating um, current grizzly bear range. And the working group, you know, that is a good step and it definitely, we definitely have to involve, um, you know, special interest groups on access management. But we need to see some interim action taken on, on habitat protection and reducing road mortality or road densities and we haven't seen any of that. And uh, unfortunately, the last I heard, we won't see any sort of um, anything come out of this working group until spring of 2010. So that's a whole year we'll go without having any further action taken on, on, uh, on habitat. And then there's the bad. So that was the good stuff. The bad is and I'll, I'm just going to breeze through these because we get into them in a little bit more detail when I talk about the bears essentials. Um, but we don't have a dedicated budget for recovery in Alberta. They're still not listed as threatened. We have no recovery team. There's been no interim protection or road closures. Insufficient habitat protection. We have an inadequate bear smart program. Uh, weak legislation as far as the endangered species legislation goes. We don't have any recovery target. I mean, if the government did say, yeah, we're committed to recovery, they don't have a, they don't have a target in mind that they'd be working towards. And, and all this kind of accumulates or comes together to uh, really demonstrate to us that, that there is no true commitment to recovery. Um, and I want to stress that here because they have been quoted in the press saying, uh, you know, we are focused on maintaining the grizzly bears we have and we're going to put these strategy or these management strategies in place to maintain, um, but that's not recovery. That's that's settling to maintain a species is threatened, and that is, I mean, that 
that's just not right. <laughs> you can't, I mean, that, that goes against what we have endangered species legislation for. So this is where we come in. Um, this is why public support is so, so critical to this process. We have to foster that political will to take action. And that public support does exist. Uh, hang on. In a recent poll put out by the Calgary Herald, uh, when asked, should Alberta government declare grizzly bears as a threatened species? 71% of the respondents said yes, which, which worked out to about 610 respondents. I think there were 850 who answered. So, so clearly there is support for this cause. Um, what I would say is imagine those 610 people wrote a letter to the minister, and he came, comes into his office on, on Monday, and there's 610 letters sitting on his desk saying, you know, get to it, uh, list the bears threatened. And that's what we want to do here. When there's a will, there's a way. And hopefully that weighs action grizzly bear. As I mentioned, it is a public mobilization campaign uh, advocating for grizzly recovery in the province. And, and what we hope to do is, is organize concerned citizens and give them the tools and the resources they need to take action on this and uh, ultimately foster that political will. And uh, it, it is going to be up to us to speak up for bears in Alberta. So what are these bears? Um, we've identified five fundamentals that have proven successful in the states. The, the states has, has employed uh, their equivalent to these fundamentals for grizzly bear recovery, and it is showing a positive change down there. And we can see the same thing here in Alberta, but we need to get on it. Um, so what we've identified is the bear's essentials. And when it comes to the campaign, these are our five primary asks. So as this campaign progresses, um, we'll be sending out action alerts, and, and the majority of them are going to deal with certain components of bears, uh, and, and at certain times of the year, it'll be critical to be, to be uh, lobbying for certain, certain components of this. Uh, B, budget for recovery. I'll, I'll just read these because I, I talk about them. Um, endangered species legislation, action on habitat, reduced conflict and mortality, and finally, a science-based recovery team. So budget for recovery, um, as I said, there is no dedicated budget for grizzly bear recovery or endangered species conservation for that matter in Alberta. Uh, the recovery plan asks for 2.8 million spread out over three years, which is accounting dust or, or was before we hit this economic crisis, I guess. But the government certainly had that sort of money floating around in years past and none of it got allocated or dedicated, sorry, to grizzly bear recovery. Um, so what this means is all funding that grizzly bears would get, get is discretionary. And our concern here is, especially as we, as we enter this recession or this economic hardship, is, is what programs are going to get cut. And my fear is that that would be discretionary programs. And quite literally, this is pocket change. The Yellowstone ecosystem gets three and a half million a year for grizzly bear recovery and our entire province is asking for less than that, spread out over three years. The E of bears is endangered species legislation. Um, as, as you saw there, our grizzly bear certainly is a threatened species, and there's no reason to wait, but the minister seems adamant that we, we should wait. Uh, he's expressed time and again that he won't make a decision on this until he gets the latest results from the DNA study. 
Um, and, and he's criticized uh, the opposition for, for trying to hold him accountable to this. The problem here is, is we've been waiting for seven years. He can act on the current recommendation unless the grizzly bear is threatened tomorrow and use the upcoming status. So he has promised a status review sometime this year. He hasn't set a deadline. Um, so what we're asking in E for endangered species legislation is list the bear is threatened now and use the upcoming status review to determine if an endangered species listing is now warranted. And as you saw, um, our numbers are getting pretty close, and that, that simply might be the case. He's also said that listing a grizzly bear wouldn't have any direct impact on its recovery, and, and I have to disagree with that. Uh, as I said, listing the bear would ban the hunt until the grizzly bear had recovered. Um, hunting certainly isn't the cause of decline in the province, but it, when it was in place, it, it did have its effect, and it was the, the largest piece of the pie as far as human-caused mortalities go. Um, and we just we just can't sustain a hunt right now. And and as I said, there are groups lobbying to reinstate a hunt. Um, and I, and I just don't think that that should fly. And so listing the bear obviously would would make that a non-issue. And and as stated in their recovery strategy, the ultimate goal of formally designating a species as threatened or endangered is to facilitate management and recovery efforts to restore viable populations. And that's what we're after here. We want to see a viable population of bears in the province. We don't want to maintain them as a threatened species. Action on habitat. Uh, this, is, this is obviously a big one, um, and it's a major ask of ours. Uh, sorry, one, one more thing about this endangered species legislation. This will be a, a very big ask of ours coming up. Um, those the DNA results that I mentioned should be released in April. And, and we want to be riding them uh, pretty hard coming up to that time to, to move on this. Otherwise, we won't see anything come of it for, well, who knows how long, up to a year. So action on habitat is another big one. And in our, in our current uh, action alert, this is what we're asking, um, especially considering the high, high mortality rates we saw last year. And, and as I said, 89% of human-caused grizzly bear mortalities occur within 500 meters of a road. And, and roads and access management have been identified as, as one of the key uh, elements to reducing our impact on bears. Um, and, and also that goes with habitat protection. We, we do need to increase our protected areas, especially in prime grizzly bear habitat, and then reduce road densities to the thresholds that grizzly bears can tolerate in the surrounding landscape. And we know what those thresholds are. They're clearly outlined in the recovery plan. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't seen any road closures um, or any mitigation efforts uh, to, to address this issue. And as far as protected areas go, um, since the 80s, we've only seen uh, just over 5,000 square kilometers of, of habitat be protected. That, that falls within grizzly bear range. Um, unfortunately, these pockets of protection are too small, and, and they're not inter they're not connected enough to to offer any really any significant protection for grizzly bears. Um, you know, it, worth worth noting, I guess too, and this is big, but it, it happens that a large home range for a male grizzly bear can be roughly 5,000 square kilometers. I mean, that's that's huge, and that's I mean, that's just a clear indication why grizzly bears um, their habitat needs needs more attention than what it's getting. I also wanted to mention too, I'm sure you guys have heard that the grizzly bears are, are considered an umbrella species. 
and this is certainly true. Um, this is a map on the right-hand side there that uh, Dr. Brad Stelfox put out a few years ago, and it identifies primary conservation areas we have in Alberta, or primary high conservation value areas we have in Alberta based on grizzly bears, caribou, aquatic ecosystems, songbirds, and old growth forests, I believe. Uh, and so what he's done is green, dark green is obviously the best, red being the worst. Um, and he circled those areas that are considered dark green as areas that should be considered for future protection. When you take those circles and you overlay them on the grizzly bear conservation areas map, uh, I think it's pretty indicative that by protecting grizzly bears, we do have an opportunity to protect a host of other plants and animals that, that fall within grizzly bear range. And grizzly bears are especially good for this uh, because they, they are at the top of the food chain and, and they do have such large home ranges and diverse habitat needs. So it is possible to, to protect a, a wide variety of other plants and animals by looking after our bears. Uh, reduced conflict and mortality. Again, this is, this is a major issue we're facing in Alberta. Um, as I said before, humans account for 90% of known grizzly bears um, in Alberta. And uh, at, at, the, at the numbers we have, this, this can't be sustained. Grizzly bears are, are very slow reproducers, and so they can't handle high mortality rates. Um, and again, you'll, you'll read it in that letter if, if you're, I guess, fortunate enough to get one. But uh, Ted Morton will say, you know, we don't have a target number. In the recovery plan, however, it, it states that theoretically Alberta would require over a thousand bears to sustain the mortality rates that we've seen in the past. Um, the IUCN and the Endangered Species Committee both recognize a thousand as the number under which a species should be less listed as threatened. And uh, and um, sorry, there's one other reason <laughs> it slipped my mind, but a thousand. I'll remember it. My, my point being here, though, is a thousand is a good place to start, and they need something to start to work towards. Um, and, and quite honestly, I think Alberta could support more than a thousand. But in the meantime, uh, I think we need to put some put some conservation strategies into place that could see us working towards that 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 figure. And uh, programs such as BearSmart are going to play a critical role in recovery. And this came up in the news quite a bit in, in February. Um, and, and I think last year's mortality figures are an indication that we don't have an effective conflict prevention program in Alberta. And in fact, I got a call from a rancher yesterday in northern Alberta who just wanted to bring to my attention that he thinks the BearSmart program is, is a complete flop um, offering in, inadequate compensation programs for ranchers and, and in, inadequate strategies to deal with grizzly bears. And I think this is, I mean, I think this speaks true. Uh, the Bear Smart, what we have for Bear Smart, quite honestly, is a name, a website, and some brochures. And it's got to get a lot more active than that if it's going to make a difference. Um, education and conflict prevention will be such a huge part of this recovery effort that the government needs to take an active role in this. Unfortunately, uh, the government said that BearSmart is not a government-driven process, and they're leaving it up to communities and, and community volunteers to take initiative on this. And, and we've seen this. There, there is a visible presence in Canmore, uh, but that's about it, and, and it needs to get 
the government needs to get more engaged in this program. They need to fund it appropriately and, and fully staff it, and, and it's lacking both of those. Um, in, in comparison, again, Yellowstone has 11 full-time employees that deal strictly with grizzly bear um, and human conflict. And they'll go so far as to come in and, and work with the guys who are having problems, set up electric fencing, set up other sorts of things that they can do to help keep grizzly bears out. And for, for a lot of it, the government foots the bill. And we're not seeing any of that in this province. And finally, the science-based recovery team. Um, we do not have a recovery team. We have a recovery plan that was written by a recovery team. And I just wanted to get this right, so... I wrote it down. Uh, according to the recovery plan, the recovery team was to guide the implementation of the plan, facilitate and encourage the involvement of appropriate and interested parties. They were responsible for updating the plan and evaluating and reporting on the progress of recovery actions. They were also considering developing a rating system to help determine whether actions were being implemented and objectives were being met. The lifespan of the plan is five years, during which time the team was to meet at least annually to review and update the plan as required. Despite their role in recovery, and which is clearly outlined in the recovery plan um, that was just released in 2008, only three months later they were disbanded. And there hasn't really been a good explanation as to why. So we're moving forward here. We have a recovery plan, but we don't really have a team guiding the effort or a team that clearly seems like they're part of their role is to hold the government accountable. And again, that's why the public is going to play such a big role here, is, is that we do need to start holding the government accountable for their actions or lack thereof. So this brings us to speak up for bears in Alberta and, and, and the campaign. Um, and, what I, and hopefully some of you guys would like to get involved. And, and if that's the case, what I would encourage you to do is go on to actiongrizzlybear.ca and join Action Grizzly Bear. We also have a Facebook group that, that you can join and post pictures and uh, join discussions and share photos or what have you. Um, and, and as I mentioned, this is a letter-writing campaign at this point. We're also looking to do other things as well. And um, I would actually put a call out for a volunteer here tonight if anyone's interested. I'll get to that in a second. But like I say, we are, we are focusing right now on a letter-writing campaign to Ted Morton, the Premier at Stelmac, and your MLA, um, especially MLAs who sit on the field committee for environment and resources. Uh, they have a lot to say with what goes on in the sustainable resource development department. And Evan Berger, who is the MLA West of here, I forget what the riding's name is, sits on that committee. So if your MLA is Evan Berger, you should write him a letter. And regardless of who your MLA is too, they need to hear from you. And, and if you're interested in meeting with them in person, by all means, I think that's a great idea and I'd be more than happy to help you arrange that. Um, so, like I say, this is a letter-writing campaign. We are, we are focusing on that right now, and our goal is to send in, to have 11, oh, sorry, 11, 100 personally written letters for each action alert that goes out. Um, we've been told by the communications department in the government that 100 is, is kind of the threshold that, that they recognize is, uh, is an indication of genuine public concern. 
if we could have 100 letters going in for each action alert, I think that'd be pretty. I think that'd be pretty powerful. Uh, and and as I say, we do have a current action alert on the website right now that deals with mortality, and it is obviously asking for budget action on habitat and reduce conflict. And we have about 50 letters in, um, and so we still have a little ways to go, but I'm confident we'll make that. And and then finally, too, I you know. This, this will rely a lot on word, word of mouth, and so I would ask you guys if, if this is a concern of yours to spread the word. Um, Facebook's obviously an excellent way of doing that. Uh, speaking to your family and friends is another way. And letters to the editor is also, is also a powerful way to increase the media exposure and um, kind of elongate the time that, that, this, is, that this, this campaign is exposed to the public. And, and again, with letters to the editor, I'm, I'm looking to develop a volunteer base of people who are willing to do that sort of thing. And so I can coordinate with them prior to a media release uh, so they're just a little bit more on top of the ball and, and ready to go. So I guess, you know, that's, that's really what I wanted to say here tonight. Um, I, I guess I would just end in saying... Uh, Grizzly bears and humans have coexisted in this region of the world for 10,000 years. And in a, in a relative blink of the eye, we've completely decimated easily over half of their range. Um, and the, the truth is, is how we act today or how we fail to act will be remembered. And it's, and it's kind of a cliche to bring the children and the grandchildren into it, but it's true. Uh, if, if we don't act and, and we lose the bears we won't be thanked for it. And this kind of hit home last week. I got a call from a nine-year-old child. She, she just left a message on my machine. I haven't been able to talk to her yet. But um, she had the foresight to realize that this is a serious issue. And she was concerned enough about it to take the initiative to call me and ask how she can help and how she can take action on this. And that just kind of hit home uh, the importance of, of what we're doing here because we are at risk of losing more than a bear. Um, they're iconic of Alberta's wilds, and, and we're very fortunate to be able to share the land with them still, and, and what it represents, what it means to, to, to still have a landscape that can support those bears. Uh, and they are indicator species, and so when you start to see these bears um, blinking out of existence, I think it speaks loudly to a bigger, a bigger issue, and um, this is certainly something that I think is worth our attention and our time. So hopefully that, that does it. And uh, yeah, I'd encourage you all to speak up for bears in Alberta. And I'll leave it at that. Thanks again. I guess I should show you my references to make it legitimate. Thank you very much, Carl, for your very informative and scary talk. Uh, just before we break, I'd like to announce a few happenings within SACPA. Uh, while I'm doing that, uh, we have some nice volunteers who's going to pass the pail. And then may I remind you that uh, paper makes less money than, than coins. Uh, tomorrow, we have a session at the SAC, regular session at SACPA. We're talking about private 
education. Last week we spoke about public education. This week we're hearing the private education side of the story. We're also having a session here next Tuesday uh, responding to climate change adaptions as the emerging frontier. It's, uh, the speaker is Quentin Chiardi. He was appointed a climate change program director at Pollution Probe in April 2007. He's a scientific authority for the Environment of Canada uh, atmospheric change in Toronto. So that's next Tuesday at 7 p.m. here. We also have a, a special SACT on campus happening at the university these days. It's called the Students Series Speakers. How the students uh, propose to change the world. And we had a session yesterday, and there will be sessions the next three, two, next two Tuesdays for the preliminary round, and then the semi-final will be March 17th, and the final will be March 31st. So we have uh, there's uh, six students vying for a top prize of $500, and it's being run in the idols. Canadian idols fashion where there's, there's uh, judges picking the winners and, and also audience participation is happening at the university at the next week at Ballroom A at 12.15. We'll break for 15 minutes now and uh, come back with the questions and answers and a discussion period. So go ahead and enjoy the coffee. And drinks. <laughs>